That was cut short. You hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Rayella Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And, of course, it matters to me. Uh, Hurricane Sandy, tropical storm, whatever it was, it wasn't wanted. I don't think they really needed it up in the northeast part of the country. But I believe it has come and gone. It's moved on. It was quite devastating to a lot of people back on the East Coast. A lot of friends that I have back there, of course, uh, I'm glad to know that they're safe and, and they were kept out of harm's way. Uh, a lot of immaterial things that have been destroyed have been lost. But thank God for those who survived that they're still here. And it kind of puts things in perspective about, you know, what life is really all about. And it's all it's not always about things. It's about people. It's about one another. And I'm just so glad to, to, to know that so many people out there have made it through and, and are surviving. And for those who, who lost a loved one, again, my heart goes out to you. I pray for you. Uh, they're in a better place now. And know that they want you to go on and continue to live out your dream and enjoy life. So with that being said, I want to say to all those out there who did not vote, like myself, but I'm leaving after work and I'm going to vote, vote. There are a lot of people out there, both black and white, who died, who put their lives on the line so that every person who is eligible to vote in the United States of America can vote. I'm not going to say I don't care who you vote for. I do. But that's my opinion. I'm going to keep my opinion to myself. I just want to encourage everybody to do the right thing because people died. Black people, white people, all people. Asian-Americans, Italian-Americans, folks of Jewish belief, uh, everybody, so that this would be a United States. And when it's all said and done, that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a United States of America. The president is the president of all the people in the United States of America. And we all going to go back to being happy people. Because I know it's a lot of sad people going around today. They just tired of it. They just tired of it. And I'm tired of it. So I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to let my finger do the walking. Press that button. Write them, write them, you know, write in who I want. And I'm going to tell you who I voted for, you know. But uh, I ain't got no shame in my game at all. But I tell you what, I, I got a little bit of shame in my game. Because the teams that I, I play for just can't seem to get it right. They just can't seem to get it right. And I, and I, I need help sometimes. Because many times when I find myself in a position where I can't find an answer. And I'm like, am I the only person that's disappointed? I need to reach out for some friends. I need to reach out to some people that perhaps maybe could be feeling the same way about something that I'm feeling. So maybe I'm not looking for a little, you know, a sympathy partner. No, I'm looking for somebody out there that's going to say, you know, regardless, I'm still a fan. I love them. They were a big part of my life. We're going to continue to support them and we're going to move forward. Now, I'm going to start off a little bit today, and I'm going to talk a little bit about my Philadelphia Eagles. And listen, people understand, the National Football League is not a joke. You can't, as Tom Brady's wife said, and I, I thought she was out of bounds for saying it, but Tom can't throw and catch. 
okay? Michael Vick can't throw and block. And I'm sorry, but, you know, you can't be on a National Football League team. And when your opportunity presents itself, you're not ready. You got to be ready. Ain't no excuses. You're back. I don't want to hear any longer that, well, you know, it's the backups. No. Your backups are supposed to be as good as your starters. I remember when I was in high school at Cam McKinley High School in 1974, there was a basketball team they put on the, on the court. The starting five was the number one team in the, in the state of Ohio. The backups was the number two team. That's how good they were. That's the way it should be in Philadelphia. You put your backups in there, damn it, they need to, they gotta play. They looking for that chance in life. When you get your chance in life, you gotta be ready. You gotta step up. And you can't make any excuses. And talk about a, a, a chance in life. Man, I got, whoo, today's show, you better hold on tight. You better hold on tight because, you know, the plane might take off and we just might be gone. I'm already, you see, I'm gone already. I mean, I'm, I'm, I had a couple, couple, couple cups of coffee already. Woo. But today, I've been blessed. I've been blessed my whole life. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And, and today I'm blessed to have, you know, somebody who understands my pain. Somebody who's from the state of Ohio, from the northeastern part of the country, you know, from the rubber city, Akron, Ohio. Somebody who really understands what it's like to be a Browns fan. And I'm talking about a man on fire, a man that's redefining possible and rattling the cages along the way. I'm talking about none other than Mark Eisenhart. Mark, are you on the line with me? Thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Man, it's, it's, it's always good. You know, sometimes it's like when you walk into foreign territory and, you know, those people speak a different kind of language. You know, some people, don't, when they walk into the dog pound and, and they see, you know, people with, uh, you know, bones in their mouths and barking, they may not understand the passion about it. That's why it's always good when I can talk to somebody, you know, who's been there, who's done that. And that's why I'm glad that you, you got a chance to get on with me today, Mark. But, Mark, it's interesting, man. I, you know, when I was reading some information about you, I understand that you're from Akron, Ohio, went to Akron Firestone, uh, a Browns fan, and got a chance to uh, go to college and play ball at a place that I'm very familiar with. Is that yeah. right? I was up there when, when you were up there at Baldwin Wallace and you know, you guys practiced right next to us every day. Hey, I want to say something because you, I really like how you let in with the show and I just want to address that really quick. I want to say thank you to all the troops out there, all the service men and women who are providing that blanket of freedom and a great service to my country. And I want to encourage everybody, if you haven't already done so, to get out there and cast your vote. I, I love how you let in with that. And you know, real quick, Ray, I, I spent a lot of time overseas when I was in college and when I was over in the UK, this was back in 1992, 93, and 94, the um, Irish Republican Army was still doing their thing back there, and I'm not going to uh, express an opinion on that. But the point is, is that when I came back to the United States, um, I, uh, I realized that, for lack of a better way of putting it, I had taken my freedom for granted, you know, as a young man. I was in my 20s back then, and, you know, I saw some incredible things that when I was over there in Europe and the U.K. that I kissed the ground when I came back to U.S. soil when the customs agents said, welcome home, because we got a great life here, and there's a lot of people that are, you know, making that possible for us. So I really wanted to just say that, and I'm glad you let in with that and said thank you to all my fellow um, servicemen and women out there providing me with that blanket of freedom. 
Yeah, I, there, there's no better country than the United States of America. I don't care what anybody says. All you have to do is travel across the waters and stay there for a You don't even have to stay there for a period of time. You just need to land. And once you land there, you'll realize that you're in unfamiliar territory and that the freedom that you take for granted, everybody doesn't have that. And, uh, right. you know, so it so it, this is a great country. And, and, and thank you for all those out there who who've serviced uh, uh, this country in the past and continue to be of service to us. But, uh, man, so you were on the grounds of BW, as it's known, right. Walton Wallace, at the same time that I was. Tell me how. How did that feel? Because for me, it was exciting for me to leave high school and go on to play to a, for a university right there in my my state and close to where my parents could come and watch me play. Uh, how did you feel? Was it exciting to go up there and play not only for, for Baldwin Wallace, but then also to see, like I did, got a chance to see your childhood dream team play or That's practice right. every day. How how'd you feel about that, Mark? It, it was fantastic. I mean, it was a dream come true for me, you know, um, and it was a lot of different things because just, you know, I just love the sport of football, period. I mean, it's I'm I'm uh, you know, I'm a guy now who's a sponsored athlete and I'm doing a lot of great things that I'm doing mostly or nearly all of which are. I'm doing by myself as a as opposed to being on a team. But hey, Mark, I don't want you to assume that I got that you know that high level intelligent audience when it comes to knowing what a sponsored athlete is. So I, I want you to share with them that that's some interesting perspective of how you can become or what a sponsored athlete is. That there's somebody else who might aspire to be a sponsored athlete one time. Yeah. So so why don't you shed a little bit of light on that? Okay, I will. Um, so, well, so what that means to me is, and this will make a little bit more sense when we talk about what I came through, but, you know, I came through a life-changing transformation um, after watching my dad beat cancer to die of liver disease um, three years ago. And I've been an athlete my whole life. You know, I played football and wrestled in high school and college and played with the Portland Raiders minor league football. And then, you know, in my late 20s, I was a what I call a weekend warrior um, you know, I took up climbing, rock climbing and backpacking and, and that kind of stuff when I lived out in the northwest in Portland, Oregon. In fact, I worked as a guide for a little bit. So I've been an athlete my whole life, and I've been a guy who's really loved sports and, and loved competing. And I coached for a few years. I coached high school football at my alma mater, Akron Firestone. So I want to say shout out to the green and gold back there and the folks in the uh, rubber city capital of the world. But to be a, uh, a sponsored athlete for me, and again, this will make a little more sense when we flesh out what I came through, is I've got, um, let's see, I think it's 15, it's changing now because i got a bunch of deals that I'm in the process of closing right now. But I've got 15 sponsors behind me now, and I've got five or six more on deck. Um, and I was injured competing on American Ninja Warrior last season, which is the show on NBC and G4. And uh, right now I'm training to climb Aconcagua, which is a 7,000-meter peak in Argentina. And that's going to be a, uh, the subject of a, a documentary film called Rattle the Cages. So I'm doing this under the mantle of, you know, um, those companies who are who I want to say thank you to. All of my sponsors are listed on my website who are behind me, who are supporting me. I'm endorsing their products. I'm doing this on a plant-based diet, a high-raw diet that's gluten and soy-free. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that's sort of um, the, the space between the next the next level is being a professional athlete. So this is my career and I get um, I do endorsements for my sponsors and that kind of stuff. And my intention is to to take this to the next level because I'm a 43 year old man, Ray. You know, I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, when we were, of course, when when I was back at, at BW, uh, you know, playing with the Cleveland Browns and you were there playing for Baldwin yeah. Wallace there. Of course, it was a couple of, well, 10 years exactly uh, different. 
difference between us. Uh, so so this period of time of which you spent on Baldwin Wallace College, was it that period of time that inspired you to do some of these things you're doing? And hold on. Yeah. I don't want you to get into that because that's going to be a long answer, Mark. I need it to be a long answer. And I, just, I believe I, we got to take a, We got to take a break here. So so what we're going to do, we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about that those years that you spent there on BW yeah, campus. I want to address that because I that was an exciting time in my life. And it was a great honor to know that when I was done with football practice with the Yellow Jackets, I could go and watch the Browns play. I could watch <laughs> you guys, you know, I mean, it was I met some extraordinary. I got to meet Bob Golick back. Then. Oh, I mean, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Come, me you know I, I guarantee i met you back go then. bob I, yeah i bet you did but listen i tell you what i didn't i didn't miss practice so i was there we're going to take a break i hear a little music in the background you're listening to rail the sports on the voice america network i'm in phoenix and living like it matters a man on fire redefining purpose and rattling cages along the way mark Eisenhart is with me come back and listen to us Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All right, you hear the music, you know the show. The music ended that fast. But you're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. And of course, I'm back. Got my man on the phone. And um, I just want to, in, in case you weren't with us earlier, I want you all to know that I got, I, I, he's just been branded as, this is the man. This is a man on fire, redefining possible. I like that, a man on fire, redefining possible, and rattling the cages along the way. And I want you guys to be sure that you listen, because later on in the show, we're going to get into some really deep stuff. You know, when you talk about 
redefining possible. That that I like that. I like that a lot. But but Mark, let's go back to kind of where this thing kind of started. We talked about some days at at Baldwin Wallace, and of course, Baldwin Wallace is special to me, special to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, somebody gave me a second chance in my life. You know, but let's let's talk about some of those things on, on the BW campus, and then we'll we'll progress into some other stuff that you've done as well. Okay. Yeah. So 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 tell me a little bit about, you know, BW and how you left there because you left BW after getting your education and and playing some ball and you went on to do some other things in life. Well, yeah, I I did. I uh you know, it's funny. I I went to BW with the intention to um earn a degree in edu- education so I could teach and I could coach and you know, BW is a is a great program. I I played under coach Bob Packard there and it was such a great experience because you know the presence the energy of the Cleveland Browns back then was was in everywhere on that campus you know there was like there was no distinction and no separation so it was a great honor and a great experience to be there um you know they they are a team that's been very competitive they've been to the Amos Alonzo Stag Bowl I don't know how many times so um but the thing is I I had a change of heart Ray I talked myself out of the education degree briefly just because I didn't want to have so much of my time in the classroom be spent around um, educational methods courses and and having my instructors teach me how to teach. I felt like I knew how to do that intuitively. So I switched and I ended up getting a Bachelor of Arts in English, which is a subject that I wanted to teach anyway. And I did I did coach for um, five years at my alma mater, Akron Firestone. I, co- I took coached the interior line under Dale Fortner. Um, and you're originally from Canton, so the the Fortner name down in the Stark County, you know, um, area is there. That's a legendary name down there. Dale's um, father, um, Richard uh, Richard or Dick Fortner, was a great great coach down there who, who made a great name for himself and for his family. So I finished my degree and I coached, but I I did end up teaching, but I didn't end up teaching in high school. I taught several years at the junior college level um, and taught for. Um, the state fire marshal's office when I worked for Twalton Valley Fire and Rescue. I ended up switching tracks, Ray, and pursued a career as a firefighter paramedic um, with Twalton Valley Fire and Rescue when I moved out west. But I kept a hand in teaching the whole time. I taught um, at Portland Community College and Clark College in Vancouver, and then I taught for the state fire marshal's office and for the fire department. And then I taught a couple years in um, uh, in outdoor leadership and recreation. And that's kind of what got me, got started, got me started as an extension of my career as an athlete in things like rock climbing and outdoor recreation, which sets up this climb of Aconcagua very nicely. Wow. Wow. Well, now, now let me ask you something. You, you talked about your, you know, your, the traditional athletic, uh, problems that you had. Uh, the, a lot of those skills transfer to some of the stuff that you're doing now, and, and you talked about this this climbing, this rock climbing. Talk about yeah. that, how some of those transferable skills, whether they yeah. be mental or physical, how you use those. Well, uh, thank you for asking. That's such a wonderful question. And a lot of those skills did transfer, um, and, and I'm grateful for that. And I want to make sure that we don't lose sight of something that you and I talked about before before we decided to do this, the the importance of um, visualization and, and using the mind and, and the, the, you know, the mental component of the it. Subconscious so, mind. Oh, exactly. yeah. The subconscious mind, because that's integral. So, um, so the short answer is yes. You know, I was really blessed to have incredibly competent coaches, 
um, during my career, both uh, as a football player and as a wrestler uh, in high school and in college. So just, you know, what what you can ask anybody who knows me, you know, I'm a guy who if you were to choose a couple of words to describe me, you know, it would be determination, resolve willpower. I mean, like as a lineman, I'm the kind of guy that if, you know, I'll, I'll drop my shoulder down and run straight through a brick wall. I believe that's possible or I'll, or I'll, you know, do my best to do that. So that, that commitment, that intensity, that, um, resolve, that determination, those are probably the most important skills that transferred over. And as you can imagine, when you're hanging off the side of a cliff or you're hanging off the side of an ice face or whatever, um, it's, it's a long way down. You know, so you've got to have that ability to focus and be connected um, mentally and get the mind in, in conjunction and talking with the body and getting that. You know, you're, you are an incredibly talented defensive back with the NFL, with the Eagles and the Browns. And you've got to be able to focus. You've got to be able to make split second decisions. You've got to change directions. You've got to accelerate very quickly. And when you're doing, you know, movements off the side of a cliff and it's maybe 150 feet down or maybe even more on a on an alpine climb in Aconcagua is an alpine climb. It's a it's a mountain that's 7000 meters above sea level. So uh, that converts to almost 23000 feet above sea level. You make one long move, Ray, and it's a thousand feet down. It's, oh, yeah. it's game over. Oh, yeah. I, I, I understand yeah. that. And, you know, and I really appreciate the way you laid that out there because there's, there was a coach that I had. And we talked about the subconscious mind. There was a, a coach, uh, that I had when I played for the Philadelphia Eagles. He was our special teams coach. And I like to give shout outs, a, a heaven shout out because he's up in heaven now. His name is Frank Gans. And Frank Gans taught us about the subconscious mind. And he talked about the preparation and he talked about fighter pilots and he talked about where there is Zero, zero margin for error when you're doing figurations and there's three planes in the sky and all three of you are side by side and all three of you are supposed to make a turn at the same time and the man in the middle thinks he's supposed to go left and you're supposed to go right. Yeah. Not good. Not good at all. You know. And so I I can appreciate uh, the attention to detail and the preparation. Here's what I want to know. How do you go from how do you go from uh Doing the stuff you were doing as a fighter, fight, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, as a, 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 a person who was putting out fires, I believe you said at one point yeah. in time in your life, yeah. and, and, and who was a, a college student and who was a, a student athlete at the university. Where do you get the mindset and the challenge that I want to climb a mountain? Not well, just I, I, a mountain, but a 7,000 yeah. foot 7, high mountain. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you asked that because here's what happened, Ray. I, uh, I really enjoyed the time that I spent, uh, teaching and coaching. I really enjoyed working with young people. It was a great honor to work with, um, you know, young football players and wrestlers, young men and, and be a part of their formative years. But I, I, like I said, I talked at, at one point, I talked myself out of teaching and I just felt like, um, the competitor in me wanted to come out, Ray, the warrior in me wanted to come out. So when I was in paramedic school, I went to paramedic school at Northeastern University in Boston, and I'm actually going back to Boston in January to do some speaking engagements. So I'm really excited about going back there. Um, I worked with uh, and, and went to school with some guys who uh, were in the military and had a lot of, uh, you know, uh, great experiences that they brought to the table and skill set. And I, and I actually ended up later going on and, and doing search and rescue myself for six years as a medic, as a wilderness EMT. So I took up rock climbing when I was in uh, paramedic school and I was bitten by the bug. You know, I moved out to Portland, Oregon 
And I worked for Tualatin Valley Fire and Rescue there as a paramedic firefighter, and I was bitten by the bug. I mean, it was one of those things where I did it one time, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm all over this. Now, keep in mind, Ray, when I worked as a medic extern when I was still in school at Northeastern University in Boston, I was in the Bronx in New York City. We did 4,671 calls in one day. Ray. So I hate to use the word adrenaline junkie because of you know the connotation that it has, but I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a guy who likes to live on the edge. I'm a competitor. I'm a guy who, you know, I consider myself to be vibrantly alive. I'm a guy who is, you know, so grateful to be alive and feeling good that I like to push the envelope. But, a Mark, bit. but Mark, let me ask you something. Could, could that at some times or another in a person's life be something that's not a good thing but a bad thing because absolutely yeah i'm, I'm thinking that man you, you know how do you replace that charge and that adrenaline once you leave one arena and you try to find you're in search of another arena to give you that same adrenaline charge yeah it, absolutely absolutely if you can't keep it under control it'll control rate it'll blow up in your face wow absolutely so it's very detrimental so so you have to how did you find how did you know where that next? Because I think this happens. And of course, you're an athlete too and a football player. And you know that we've, there's been a few guys very close to my heart, uh, who have fallen upon some, some very dark places and they weren't able to climb their way out of it. And they're no longer with us. They're in a better That's place right. now, but they were no longer with us. You know, how did you know that that's the direction to turn that perhaps maybe you could get a fraction? of that adrenaline flow again. How, how do you how do you identify those sports that can do that? Because I'm going to tell you what, there is nothing in this world that you can replace with when you walk out into a stadium. I don't care if it's a stadium of, of 200, yeah. 500, 10,000, 100,000, and you control the emotion. I don't care if, it, right. if they're cheering for you or if they're booing and they're against you. It all happens because you take that arena, that stage, and, and that's you. You're causing that, that, that hysteria of those people. Yeah. And, and you get connected to that, and that's an adrenaline that can't be replaced. But it seems to me like, like you found something else that gives you somewhat of a fraction of that yeah. adrenaline flow. Is that correct? Well, you're right, and, and you've, you've got such a great handle on it, Ray. And, and you know, there's, there's walking out in the football field, you know, I, I don't know if you remember um, the Rubber Bowl back in Akron. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've been, I've played for, you know, when that place was packed. I mean, that's a rush. There's nothing. I had Turkey Day game, Thanksgiving Day. I mean, that was a rush. That's right. You know, so, but I want you to, you're a, you're a guy who understands how powerful the mind is and visualizing things. So I want you to imagine right now you hanging off the side of a, actually, let's make it even simpler. You're, you're, you are climbing up a trail right now that is, that is about as steep as, um, the staircase that maybe you climb to go from the first floor of your house up to the second floor of your house. But the difference is it's covered with rock, snow, and ice, and it's about the same width as the staircase in your house, but the difference is it's 2,000 feet down on either side. Uh, Mark, <laughs> Mark, I want you to know this. I'm scared. I want you to know that. <laughs> that's so how they, that's how they say it in St. Louis. I'm scared. I'm not, I'm not scared. I'm scared. I, I just don't know how you do that. I mean, I understand the subconscious mind and preparation. One step at a time. Oh, but how do you even, I mean, I, I, we have these indoor facilities out here in Arizona where you do rock climbing. I'm sure they have it every place. That by no means is, you know, uh, some type of indication or training, you know, facility for this climb you're about to make. Yeah. And so I, I just really don't know how you do this. I think, 
I have to take a break, Mark. You're going to okay. please forgive me for that. But we're going to come Sorry. back and we're going to continue to talk about that because I'm a t- I'm scared. I-, I can't swim. I don't climb <laughs> mountains. <laughs> you know, I drive you, cars. Uh, <laughs> that That's it, man. That's that's a time in the net. There are some mountains in, in the United States that we can climb that are not technical. You don't have to have technical climbing skills. And I'm going to set an intention with you that sometime in the next three to five years, you and I go bag one of those peaks together. Okay? This man has challenged me too many times in my life. <laughs> We've only known each other for a couple of weeks. So okay. let us take this break and come back. I'm sure he's got another challenge for me. I can't make it. I know I can't. Yes, I'm not ready mentally, but I'm going to try to get. I hope you're ready mentally. Come back and listen to the show. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. My special guest today is Mark Eisenhart. He'll be with me on the other side, and you come back too. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. All right, we're back in this rail of sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. I got my man with me, Mark Eisenhart. Mike, uh, Mark, of course, is uh, uh, a person who's known. He's known for uh, and as I'm going to call him a man on fire, redefining possible, and also rattling the cages along the way. Mark, we've been talking about a lot of things uh, the past few, I guess, uh, half an hour, uh, thirty or so minutes. Uh, but what I want to do is I, I want to give you time. We've had a lot of fun, but there, there's something serious here. And, and I told those folks out there uh, that would be listening uh, as I sent out some information in the e-card. Uh, I wanted them to understand that uh, this is a man uh, who's done some marvelous things, uh, you know, a total transformation of, of his of his life, of his body, uh, of his mind. 
but he had some challenges that he was faced with, uh, and he was he, he was basically faced with okay, uh, as as Richard Pryor was told by Jim Brown years ago, you know what you gonna do? You, you really had to do something. And so, Mark, why don't you kind of you know let people know you know what this adversity uh, that I of course am talking about in, in terms of. Uh, some things that happened in, t- in your life and kind of sent your life spiraling kind of out of control. Uh, and then you made a transformation to get yourself back on track. Well, Ray, um, you know, I am a guy who has been an athlete my whole life, but I'm also a guy who struggled uh, with uh, an eating disorder and, and my weight has yo-yoed. There have been times in my life when I've been in excellent shape uh, and there have been times in my life when I've been in horrible shape. And so in short, uh, in November of, uh, I'm sorry, in, in October of uh, 2009, I watched my dad, Bud Eisenhart, my best friend, my hero, I call him my true north, he was my greatest teacher, beat cancer to die of liver disease, Ray. And, and I was already in the process of a very dark downward spiral in my life, and I lost it. Um, uh, that experience almost killed me, too. So when I hit my rock bottom, as you know, from, from the first part of the interview and from talking to me before, I don't do anything um, without putting my whole heart into it. So in this case, I put my whole heart into running my life into the ground. Um, so I weighed 455 pounds, Ray. I had diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, a 90% loss of feeling in both feet from diabetic neuropathy, anxiety, depression, uh, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, there were some things that happened to me during my career as a firefighter that carried over uh, to me. And I, I had stopped living and started dying, Ray. Um, you, you sound like one of those commercials that you hear where they have this this, this uh, remedy of a drug that's supposed to actually make you feel better. And they tell you about all the side effects. Oh, it, sure. It's like everything could kill you. So, I mean, you were faced with a number of things that could have taken oh, yeah. your life. Oh, yeah. And I remember the day that I walked into my doctor's office with a handful of pills and said, how many more of these do I have to take before I actually start feeling better? I mean, every time they would prescribe me a different medication and opened up another can of worms. Wow. So. You know, I decided in that uh, in that moment, uh, that rock bottom, you know, it's been said, Ray, that you don't know how strong you are until being strong is the only choice you have. And I got to see just how much strength I had in reserve back then. And, you know, rock bottom leaves you with two choices. Let's face it, die or climb. And it was only a matter of time before I had a massive heart attack. So I made a commitment in that moment, Ray, in a moment of great strength uh, to ask for help. Uh, and to make a commitment to myself, to my uh, the spirit of my deceased father, to my family and to my friends to make getting and staying healthy my highest priority and my full time job or to die trying. But not only to do that, Ray, to do it in a way that sticks, because like I said, at different times in my life, I've been very healthy and been in great shape and physically fit. But I, I, I couldn't make it last. Ray. So a way to stick. So you're telling me that you didn't have surgery. That's what you're saying. Oh, no, I didn't have surgery at all. Absolutely not. I did make it my full time job, but I did not have surgery. I've not had any kind of, you know, uh, liposuction or, you know, surgical intervention at all. But what I did do, Ray, is I dropped 215 pounds from 455 down to 240 and eradicated all Wait, those. Wait, say that again. Say it again. I want people to understand now you lost okay. a whole body. You yeah. lost how much? I mean, that's the size. You, you, you agree with me here. If I'm wrong, tell <laughs> that me. Was that was my plane weight you lost. You know that. <laughs> NFL. Right? That, that was my playing weight. I played at, at, at the most maybe 208, 209. And, right. you, and you lost how many pounds? 215 pounds in one year from 455 down to 240. That's a whole pro football player you lost. 
that is. It's a whole pro football player. Mm. And I completely eradicated all those diseases, right? Not the symptoms. The diseases are gone. The diabetes, the high blood pressure. And before I did this, I told all the people that were important to me in my life, my friends, my family, you know, a panel of physicians, what I was intending to do. And they said that's impossible. And then I did it. And that's why redefining possible is part of my branding, because I'm a guy who's believed my whole life that everything is possible. And I was given an opportunity to prove it. And now, now I walk the talk. Now, Mark, did you continue? Did you have to continue to take that, those meds that you were taking or did you kick those no. to the curb? Yeah, there was a point at which I came in and I saw my, you know, my doctors, my physicians. I was working with a whole team of physicians, Ray. I mean, I, I had a psychiatrist, a psychologist, an attending physician, you know, all these people. And they said, Mark, just keep doing what you're doing. We can't, we don't have an explanation for it. We're taking you out of group. You know, I was in a partial hospitalization program at the time because I was hospitalized for a few weeks. They took me off my medications. They scratched their heads and they declared me a miracle, Ray. They had no explanation for it. Wow. Wow. So, so let me, so let me say this. Well, let me ask you this. How much time did it take you to lose uh, all that weight? It took a year. It okay. took almost, you know, you know, the better part, we'll just say a year, the better part of a year. But keep in mind, that was my full time job. That was all I did. I created an immersion program. I took the Jason Bourne approach to getting healthy. Find whatever it is that's around me and find a way to make it work. Now, when you say that was all you did, now you say your full time job, uh, was this part of you again being a sponsored athlete or, or that, no. of course, nobody was supporting a 400 something oh, no. pound sponsored oh, athlete not. at that time? Okay. 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 No, that came later. What I did, Ray, was I went back to, you know, the companies and businesses whose products I was using or whose foods that I was eating. And I said, look, you know, this is where I was a year ago at 455 pounds. This is where I am at now. I did this in large part because of the foods that you manufacture or the products or supplements. I have an incredible success story. And now I'm going to become a sponsored athlete who turns professional. And I would like to introduce myself to you, say thank you to all my sponsors for, you know, doing what you did and be a product of your product. Do what I call paying it forward. You know, I want to ask you for your support and getting behind me. And like gangbusters, those sponsors started signing signing up. Like I said, I've got 15 of them now, I think, and, and five or six more on deck because people love a success story. And I'm a guy who believes in the power of intentionality. My whole intention behind this, Ray, has been for other people to benefit from my experience and to pay it forward. So next year, I'm going to publish a book called Changing What You Eat Changes Who You Are. And I go into the nitty gritty of how I did what I did and how other people can benefit from it, whether you want to lose five pounds or 50 pounds or 200 pounds, or maybe you just want to live a healthier lifestyle, whatever it is, I guarantee that the stuff that works for me can can help you. So, in other words, you were the uh, subway man before the subway man. <laughs> well, in a way, I kind of was. I was a little bit like Jared. Yeah, that's right. You, right. You, you ate their product, and, and you went in to tell them thank you, and next thing you know, they cut you a check. Well, well, listen, I, I know there's somebody on the line that's been on the line for, for a little while, so the question they may want to ask you, Mark, could be covering something or a question about something we talked about earlier. But it's uh, I think it's uh, Tamarin. Tamarin? Oh, yeah. is, yep. is, is she on the line? Hello, how are you? Hi, oh, I'm great. It's been a great show. Thank you for letting me speak. Oh, well, thank you for calling. And I believe your question is for Mark. So why don't you go right ahead and ask Mark? Hi, Mark. It's Tamron. Hi, Tamron. Um, there's a question. Um, I just want to say to all the listeners out there that I actually have a show on Voice America as well. And I'm live on every Thursday on Noon Pacific on Let's Figure It Out. And you were an amazing guest two weeks ago. Well, thanks, Tamron. I'd like to be on the show. 
Yeah, it was a great show, and I've been following you ever since, and when I found out you were going to be on there today, I thought, you know, Mark, a question keeps coming up um, with uh, people that have been talking about your show, and I know you're going to be talking about a lot of these great things you're doing um, coming up, climbing the mountain, and, and people are asking me, Tammy, why didn't you ask a really important question? And I said, well, what is that? And they said, how did it happen? Like, how how did your life get so bad that it got to the point where everything was so extreme. And this is what you guys were speaking about earlier on in the show, is that living on the edge. Like, it can be one extreme, it can be awesome, or it can be really detrimental to your health. So could you sort of explain to people what that was like for you? Like, I just, for me, I'm a woman. I can't imagine gaining 215 pounds and that's not bothering me. Oh, yeah, sure. I understand. Well, I will address that in brief, and then I will just, uh, for the benefit of the listeners, I know you and I have talked about doing a show where, where we just go into that and talk about it. So there will oh, be an be opportunity awesome. yeah, for people who do that in the future. But So uh, the message that gets lost when, when, I, when I do this stuff is that I was inert. Tamron. And, and by that, I mean, you know, I was in a state of inertia in my ways of thinking and my ways of doing and in my ways of being, you know, the human race is the only species on this planet that identifies the right thing to do and then makes a conscious choice not to do it. Yep. And we will hit our head against the wall and complain about how much it hurts instead of just stopping. And that's what I was doing day after day after day. I was identifying the right stuff to do. I knew that eating processed foods was bad for me. I knew that binge eating was bad for me and indulging my sweet tooth and eating late at night. And then, you know, I even had a period, a very short period of substance abuse where I was abusing uh, alcohol and drugs. Thank God nothing's, you know, nothing hard, hard line or anything like that. It was sleeping pills and, and uh, painkillers, but it was abusing drugs and alcohol nonetheless so my mind was broken i was inert i was yeah. doing the same stuff over and over and, and medicating myself instead of dealing with the horrific pain that i was going through because my dad my best friend my hero and my true north was dying in front of me and there was nothing i could do about it yeah, yeah it sounds to me if i'm not mistaken mark and, and i don't want to uh, reinterpret tammy's question but would you say it was the challenge of dealing with your dad's death that kind of led you down that spiraling road? What, what was it that kind of sent you out of control? Was there any certain thing in your life that happened? I, well, I would say that my dad's diagnosis and his illness and his death was the catalyst that caused a freight train that was already out of control to go off the tracks. Um, but before that, what it was, it's, you know, it's, it's a vicious cycle. Anybody who's watched Dr. Phil kind of understands this, that the more I overate and the more I was binge eating and the more I was depressed and, and all that stuff, the worse I felt and the, and the more I did it, you know, I, I got, I want to emphasize for the benefit of the listeners that I was not thinking straight. My mind was broken. I was broken. I was making decisions with a diseased mind. You know, one of the things I talk about in my book is that there is no greater prison than the confines of a diseased mind. And I was on, you know, antidepressants and antipsychotic meds and anti-anxiety meds. So I was making decisions, in this case, very poor decisions, with a mind that was broken. Yeah. You know. I know. And that, that's just it. It's like, how does someone go from being a professional athlete in your 20s? I mean, you're out there playing football. You're doing all this amazing stuff. You're, yeah. you're a firefighter. And then you've got this period of your life where you've literally, basically, you're saying you've lost your mind. Yeah. 
Well, you know, it's funny you should say that because, you know, th- look at my job description. I'm a guy who was decorated twice with a Medal of Valor and a Community Service Award for Heroism during my tenure as a paramedic firefighter. My job description used to be I had to make decisions, in some cases, split-second decisions that affected whether or not a person lived or died. That yeah. was the scope of my responsibility. You know, I wasn't doing it on my on my own. I had an incredibly competent, you know, team of professionals that I was working with. But as you can imagine, PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, this is why the burnout rate is so high with police officers and firefighters and other people that are public safety professionals. It all adds up. And I wasn't dealing with those stressful situations in positive, healthy, and constructive ways. And they started to add up, and then they blew up in my face. Yeah, and that's what I'm getting at. That's, you know, that's the key. You got it. It's that stress, and, and that's what I see in my business as well, and I love to work with people and support them emotionally because, like I, I discussed in my show, is the majority of people that come to me have anxiety and stress or no sex drive, no sex life, and it's a weird combination, but it is, how, it is so true of how many of us are living, and it's a sad, sad existence. Yeah. And it comes hand in hand, and it's fascinating to know that, you know, we can get out of it. And I love your story, and I love promoting you because you did get out of it. And your your story is very very similar to mine where I chose not to take medication. Doctors looked at me and said, oh, you'll never do this. You need that. You need blah, blah, blah. And I turned and I said, no, I don't think so. And I walked out, yeah. and I did it using food. Well, you know our- what? I, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that story, Tammy, because also that just leads me into something because I think, Mark, there's somebody else that you're working with as well that has an amazing story, too. Am I correct about that in oh, terms yeah. of transformation? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm really glad that you said that. Um, so what I've done, Ray, is I've aligned myself with a team of incredibly competent and expert professionals, you know, a functional nutritionist who was recently featured in Martha Stewart's Whole Living magazine. Her name is Andrea Nakayama. And, and who you're talking about is Ashley DeLello. Because, you know what, at the end of the day, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to, to you know, have somebody really be successful. And I don't want to do this by myself. So in short, Ashley is a woman who, um, you know, was basically um, told that not only was she never going to walk again, but she was basically told by her doctors she was sick for almost six years that there was no cure for the parasitic infestation that she had. She was had a crippling, debilitating disease. She was a prisoner inside of her own body for a little over four and a half years, and then for almost a year couldn't walk. And so um, you can learn more about her if you Google her, Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-I-G-H-D-I-L-E-L-L-O. But she told you know the people that were in her life that not only was she going to beat this thing and come through it, but she was going to be a professional dancer. And, of course, they told her that it was impossible, and then she ran around and did it. She competed with her husband, uh, Ryan, on So You Think You Can Dance. And so she's my trainer now. And, and so in keeping in consistent with the idea of branding, um, redefining possible, I'm a guy who realizes, Ray, that sometimes you got to stand up from the rooftops and scream to get people's attention or do something extraordinary to get people's attention. And I'm a guy who will rattle the cages because our country has a real problem with our relationship with food and with eating and with obesity and disease and with stress. And I beat them all. And not only have I beat them all, I've gone on to now enjoy the same kind of vibrant youth that I had when I was a teenager. 
And I want people to take this seriously and to benefit from it. If our culture doesn't get a handle on this, Ray, it's not going to matter what we do. Well, Mark, you're not just standing up and screaming, uh, but I think you're going to do something else. I think you got uh, a challenge uh, coming down the side of a building or something like that soon in L.A. I mean, thank you. Where are you going to stop at, man? (laughs) Okay, so in August of this past year, I, I in Portland, I rappelled almost 500 feet off the second tallest building in Portland. Um, it was a fundraising event. Um, it was a charitable uh, to raise money for a charitable fund for the Boy Scouts of America. It was a blast uh, that local news covered it called Spider-Man for a Day on Coin6 News and some of the other stations. So in December, I'm going to repel... Uh, in downtown, actually, I think it's going to be in Beverly Hills, do a similar publicity stunt, sort of daredevil um, stunt. I was going to repel out of a helicopter, Ray, but the permits um, and the insurance stuff has turned out to be a big old nightmare. So what I am going to do instead, I, I can't talk about the details and the date yet, but it's going to benefit an organization here in town that um, works with impoverished youth. Um, my, my manager wants me to do it in a Santa suit because it's in December, and then I'm going to reach into a Santa sack and give some, some kids um, some Christmas presents. It's going to be a great way for me to give back to the community. If you want to learn more about this, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter because we'll have posts about it. But, you know, sometimes you got to do something dramatic to get people's attention, Ray, and I'm a guy who will stand up and rattle the cages to do that if that's what it takes. Well, I certainly appreciate the fact that because that's what it takes sometimes. It really does. You know, we don't want the extreme, but sometimes the extreme is the only thing that will get a person's attention. And, uh, you know, Mark, it's just amazing some of the things that you've gone through and and you and you survive. But uh, it it certainly is good to know that uh, medication, uh, sometimes you take it, sometimes you need it. But it's it's really the dedication and, and commitment uh, and I think it's that mental strength that uh, that a person needs too to go out and, and have the challenge to get up every day knowing you're weighing four hundred some odd pounds. Yeah. And 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 you have a child. Did you set a goal of how much weight you wanted to lose when you first started this weight loss uh, venture, Mark? Ray, I'm going to answer that. But one of my friends on Facebook just said she tried to call in the number and it won't connect. Can we? Do we still have time to? Take- uh yeah, eight eight eight. Right. Three four six nine one four four. Nine one four four. Yeah, I was being selfish. I didn't want to give the number out. I wanted to keep you uh, all the all the time I could for myself to ask these questions because okay. you've challenged me to lose a few pounds, and it's not going to happen. But <laughs> oh, I'm, I, I, I'm going to talk to you about that when the show's over because I told you that I got about another thirty pounds to get down to my ideal weight for climbing. Aconcagua, and you said you wanted to lose about the same weight. So I say we do it together because I'm telling you right now, I'm sitting in that Lowe's with you during Super Bowl Sunday, and we're gonna we're gonna have a good time watching that game. But so listen, I didn't I didn't set a goal for numbers, Ray. What I did was I set a goal to get back down to my ideal weight, but to do it in a way that um, um, I could sustain it. In other words, I could hold that weight. You know, not just drop the weight. Because like I said, at different times in my life, I dropped the weight before, but I couldn't sustain it. So you made some lifestyle changes. Oh, yeah. that's it, That was integral. It was totally lifestyle changes. Absolutely. You know, it was a, a plant-based diet, a plant-based whole foods diet, which eventually gave way to a vegan diet. It was meditation. Um, it was uh, exercise, obviously. It was making better and more informed decisions about how I deal with stress. Yeah, but Mark, um, you know, a lot of times when people do that and, and they do the meditation and they become a vegan, you know, they change their diet and all that. You know, people look at them like they're weird and crazy and listen to different kind of music. But, but you know, bring that back to reality. And, and yeah. that is that there's nothing wrong with that. It's a, it's right. a, it's yeah. a right way to treat your body. 
Well, that's right. It's, it's a matter of what finding out what works for your body and making um, decisions that are consistent with that. And I'm not suggesting that everybody go vegan. I know everybody would benefit from a plant-based diet and eating more fruits and vegetables in their diet, absolutely. But I'm not a guy who stands up and says everybody should be vegan or everybody should be raw. But I am a guy who says you should find a diet that what works for you and you can actually go and have the food sensitivity testing done to find out what your body's telling you and then make choices that are consistent with that. But, Ray, the most important thing I did because, you know, I, I, a friend of mine is a guy, Jesse Warren, bless his heart, he's a, he's a dear friend of mine. He was on The Biggest Loser, and he lost over 100 pounds. But he gained, I think, nearly all of it back. And in one of the first conversations that I had with him, he says, Mark, what did you do that I didn't do? And I said, Jesse, did you do the work of the interior? And he looked at me for a minute, and he kind of paused. And I said, Jesse, did you get to the subconscious mind? Because it doesn't matter that Jillian Michaels was your trainer or that you had a whole team of professionals on network television. What you have is a behavioral problem. What I had was a behavioral problem. And food is the most abundant drug on the planet, Ray. By definition, any, any substance which ingested, injected, absorbed into the bloodstream, whatever, which causes a chemical chain reaction in the body is a drug. And food is a drug. It's the most abundant drug on the planet. So what I had was a drug problem. Yes. It's, it's addictive. It's addictive. Yeah. There's no Absolutely. doubt about it. It's addictive. And, I, and I, that subconscious mind, I will say this. I, have a, I play this mental game with myself all the time. And it's just a matter of, okay, it, it's playing out of my mind. I see myself exercising. Now it's a matter of, am I going to do it? That's I, right. I, I, I visualize myself doing it. Now it's a matter of getting up and doing it. Hey, Mark, listen, we've got about 30 seconds to a minute, a minute to 30 seconds left. you got to tell everybody in the world who's listening, because the world is listening. Speak <laughs> up, of course. The world is listening here at Voice America. Where they can see you, uh, what website they can go and visit, and where they can learn more about what's happening in your life. And, of course, you. you know you're going to be back here with us at Voice America. But real fast, you got about 30 seconds. To, we didn't get a chance to talk about football at all. Well, yeah, I yeah. I, I, that, that's what everybody thought was going to be the miracle, but that, that wasn't the miracle. <laughs> they didn't make it to the Super Bowl this year. That are chiming in, they have questions they want to ask, and we're not going to have time for it. So my website is www.getempowerednow.com. Empowered is spelled with an I, like impulse power. Please uh, follow me on Twitter at Get Empowered Now and look me up on Facebook. Um, if you just type in my name, Mark Eisenhardt, the very first link up on Facebook is me. Um, and I'll have updates on there. I, I want you to know that I'm still always going to be a Brownies, a Browns fan in my heart. And I wish Whedon was not reading, you know, Sports Illustrated instead of reading his <laughs> keys Sunday. Because I, I want to say. Well, I'm at least guy. you said Sports Illustrated before some other people said some other magazine. And it wasn't Sports <laughs> Illustrated. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah, that's a, it's Playboy is what I heard. I don't know. It's, that's a rumor out there. I won't put it on you. I'll put it on somebody else. But if we've got one call. She doesn't want to say hello to you, Mark. Okay. Is she going to say hello to Mark? Hello? Okay, we've got about five seconds for you to say hello to Mark, and he'll get that answer to your question maybe on his website. Oh, oh okay. Um, so I'm a fitness model. I'm calling from Canada, and I just want to um, – I know a lot of people ask me, what's one thing you'd tell somebody who is on the edge and feeling like they're about to give up? Is there any kind of – information or any kind of inspirational words that you can pass on to them to kind of let them know that there's hope out there. Okay, Mark, you're going to answer that real fast, and then we're going to have to end the show. Uh, there is hope. Please log on to my website. I talk about that. I would say the single most important thing they can do is what the Buddha did. Sit down in a chair and do nothing but breathe and get comfortable with being uncomfortable. 
Develop a willingness to be still and get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You get the subconscious mind under control and everything else will fall into place. And thank you for calling in, by the way. I know who you are. <laughs> okay. Hey, Mark, thanks for calling, man. I'm sorry, but it's that time. We got to do it. That means we got to go. You've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. And, of course, my special guest today was Mark Eisenhart. And, of course, man, Mark is just doing great things. And be sure to visit his website. He gave it to you. A man on fire. Redefine. Finding possible and rattling cages along the way. I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thanks, Ray. Sure, no problem, Mark. Go Browns. <laughs>